Does a Christmas tree mafia have a hold on New York City? The business is allegedly so cutthroat, it's filled with bribes, extortion, threats, and even murder. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to talk about how the mafia took over the selling of Christmas trees, if you can actually believe that. We'll also bring you some new Mandela effects about the famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. That's of course we will. Mind. And don't miss tonight's Metaphysical Minute segment, a live Q&A, and finish out the show with everyone's favorite top 10 weirder news of the week to keep you laughing. And it's the Friday before Christmas, so you know we need to get into the weird research and things that will bring you a little extra cheer. So there's snow need to wait, oh, and no. we'll see you out no. on the edge of terrible jokes. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're listening to our Edge of Wonder podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere, please leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people. And remember to like, follow, subscribe, and all the good stuff. Rumble, YouTube, Ganjing World, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Wherever you may be this fine Christmas. Wherever, whenever. Anyway, how you doing, Rob? Nice shirt. Pretty good. Yeah, nice shirt yourself. Yeah, I got a... uh, it looks like one of Santa's elves farted on that shirt. <laughs> I actually get the most compliments of any Christmas like clothing I have. I get the most compliments on this one. How so could I, you not? Yeah, and you yeah. gave it to me for I, for I um, remember. <laughs> I was like I was like the person who could pull this shirt off best would be that. Yeah, actually it's really cool. So Let's see yours too, Rob. Oh yeah, duh. Shooting lightning out of its mouth. By the way, Ben, have you seen Godzilla minus one yet? Dude, everyone has been asking me about it. My brother said it was the best movie that he's seen all year. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, so I've good. talked to three people now that have told me that it was the best movie. They, they were like, like you, I can't explain why it's good. You like, you just have to watch no, it. No, the the story and, was well. That that's what everyone. Everyone's like, finally, also, a movie that is telling a story. And my brother's yeah. like. You actually care about the people who die. Yeah. And also, though, the way that they portray Godzilla was more accurate than any other Godzilla movie. And there's some special powers in there that you're like, what the okay. heck? I, I Yeah, I was hoping to see it this week, but or this <clears> weekend. <throat> so I don't I'm going to I'm, 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 yeah, I'm going to try to go see it. All right. Well, let me know what you think when you do. It's, it's worth every every cent. Uh, I'm excited by it. That's for sure. Well, well, all right. What's the funny and interesting info here we got the origins of a Christmas carol. Okay, well, what do we got? Misunderstanding here? in this graveyard led to Charles Dickens writing a Christmas carol. This what? is the Canongate Kirkyard, 
1841, Dickens was giving a lecture here in Edinburgh. He went for a stroll around the Royal Mile to kill some time and found himself ogling tombstones. One in particular caught his attention. The inscription read, Here lies Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy, a mealman. Dickens misread it as, Here lies Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy, a mean man. And he wondered just how bad you'd have to be to wind up with that on your gravestone. Ebenezer Scrooge was born. Ironically, Scroggy wasn't a mean man at all. He was known as a generous host and for throwing the best parties. I wonder what he'd for throwing his best Not to mention those Muppets. Did Dude, you... that is so funny. Yeah, that is funny. so funny. I had no idea that that was the actual... <clears throat> I was I always wondered where Ebenezer Scrooge like where that name came from. I didn't know that it was from this graveyard. Scroggy's a great name though. Scroggy. Dude, I I love the Scottish accent. That's yeah, so what an accent. That yeah. That, I mean, half of the reason I, I was engaged in that was his accent. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of accents, we have the mind the gap here as well. This one you guys gotta read. All right, I got this. Just before right. Christmas 2012, staff at Embankment Tube Station were approached by woman who was very upset. She kept asking them where the voice had gone. They weren't sure what she meant. The voice? The voice, she said. The man who says, mind the gap. Don't worry, the staff at Embankment said. The announcement still happens, but they've all been updated. New digital system, new voices, more variety. The staff asked her if she was okay. That voice, she explained, was my husband. Wow. No the way. Woman, a GP, what, I don't know what GP is, called Dr. Margaret McCollum, explained that her husband was an actor called Oswald Lawrence. Oswald had never become famous, but he had been the chap who had recorded all the Northern Line announcements back in the 70s. And Oswald had died in 2007. Wow. GP is probably general practitioner. Must, must be. General practitioner. Oswald's death had left a hole in Margaret's heart, but one thing had helped. Every day on her walk to work, she got to hear his voice. Sometimes when it hurt too much, she explained, she'd just sit on the platform at Embankment and listen to the announcements for a bit longer. For five years, this had become her routine. She knew he wasn't really there, but his voice, the memory of him, was... To everyone else, it had just been an announcement. To her, it had been the ghost of the man she still loved. And now even that had gone. The staff at Embankment were apologetic, but the whole underground had this new digital system. It, it just had to be done. They promised, though, that if the old recordings existed, they'd try to find a copy for her. Margaret knew this was unlikely, but thanked them anyway. In the new year, Margaret McCollum sat on Embankment Station on her way to work, and over the speakers, she heard a familiar voice, the voice of a man she had loved so much and never thought she'd hear again. Mind the gap, said Oswald Lawrence. Because it had turned out a lot of people at Embankment with London Underground, with TFL and beyond, had lost loved ones and wished they could hear them again. And they'd all realized that with luck, just this once, for one person, they might be able to make that happen. And that is why today, even in 2023, if you go down to Embankment Station in London and sit on the northbound platform on Northern Line, you will hear a completely different voice say, mind the gap to anywhere else on the underground. It's Oswald. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I 
That's his voice. That's cool. Interesting. That's really nice of them to put that back up there. Nice story. Yes. <clears throat> All right. We have the next, the last one here. The Rock, something about Rockefeller. Oh, yeah. You're going to skip this abyssal one? <laughs> well, we, we are, we have a lot to cover. Yeah, so you're right. Let's, let's go right. straight to like, Rockefeller. We, we, yeah, let's go to Rockefeller. 1872 Rockefeller. I'm not even 1872, sure. 1872 Rockefeller bought up, shut down, or bankrupt 90% of the oil companies. Our good yeah. old constitution came into place, and in 1911, the Supreme Court found Rockefeller in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act and split Standard Oil into 34 independent companies. So they said, You can't have the monopoly on this, you're done. You think that changed who he was? No. He promised to bankrupt America. At that very same time, they were learning how to turn petrochemicals, exactly what he had at his fingertips with the oil, into pharmaceuticals. Now, John D. Rockefeller's biggest threat was natural health. So what does he do? Being the businessman he is, he donates money to the medical schools because he wants to control. And what do you do when you want to control someone? You give him money. And then he hired a guy by the name of Flexner to study the school's curriculum to figure out what they were teaching everybody and to persuade the government to establish allopathic medicine, which used the unnatural substances to treat diseases. This is how Western medicine was founded. So in 1872, yeah, Rockefeller school. bought up, mm -hmm. shut Lindsay, yeah, you can pause it. So yeah. Kudos to that lady for breaking that down so well. Yeah, she really did do a great job of that. And this is all in our big oil industrial complex series that we have on Rice TV. Oh, you mean Ben, you and I were on top of that? That's we were actually, and one thing uh, she doesn't mention is that when they broke up the Standard Oil, that actually was what Rockefeller wanted to happen, because at that point, what he did was then he rebought the stock of every single company of the smaller companies, controlled and he, them all anyway. He became the first billionaire, um, in in the world. Rockefeller did so Fell right into his dirty trap. It did. And then, and then aside from the, 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 the medical industry, I mean, aside from giving them money, he, he was like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm going to give you money, but I have a really close friend of mine that I would like you to hire as your executive director or whatever, you know, and that's how you take over the medical industry. So <laughs> There There's a lot I want to say about this, but we've got a lot to talk about this show. We got so much to talk about. We can get back to it if we have time. Um, right now, let's do the Mandela effect or the Mandela effect, as we call them. This is a big well, one. First, let's play a trailer. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll play a trailer first, then we'll get into the Mandela effect that you guys are going to be freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah. Check this trailer out. It's going to be our big oil industrial complex trailer. So if you're looking to watch that, you can join Rise.TV if you're watching us. Uh, we've got a deal going on, and this big industrial, uh, big oil industrial complex series that we did is pretty tight. So check this out. The planet is dying. Reduce, reuse, recycle. We're made to feel guilty for causing climate change. But what if this is a bigger agenda? being financed by big oil itself. In Edge of Wonders explosive series, the big oil industrial complex, we ask, is it all a big scam? 
when it comes to oil, it does so much more than just provide our gas. Yet, people know very little about how much oil goes into creating one of the biggest potential health threats on the planet right now. Plastic. Bike to work. Watch your carbon footprint. Don't use plastic straws. Are the companies pointing fingers really the ones responsible for the destruction? Why are there plastics in our blood? And if everyone cares so much, then why is there not more pressure on these massive companies to make changes? Who's really behind it all, and why are they doing this? Is the focus on profits? Making these industries turn a blind eye to what they are really doing to our bodies? Nowadays, plastic is in everything, including all bubblegum. Get ready for an expose that will turn the oil industry on its head. You won't believe what we found. We didn't do the Christmas man the intro where I am wearing the Santa hat. But anyway, oh, where's that? <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> so my funny. bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, man. Twas the night before Christmas. This thing is. Um, the more I look at this poem, the weirder and weirder it gets for me. And I found. So far, there's definitely three Mandela effects in this poem, and I, I believe there's actually four now, or at least, I'm sorry, two for sure. I think there could be four. So, but the big one is, um, well, okay, so the poem and Mama and her kerchief and my and my cap had just settled blank down for a warm winter's nap. Our brains. What? Wait, what? Yeah. Our mama and her kerchief and my and my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter. No, 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 yeah. no. That's one. The, 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 what's the last line of this poem, Rob? The very last line. Uh, sorry. Can you remind me what it's so, supposed so to it's be? It's like Santa Claus is taking off and he says, blah, blah, blah. Blah 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 to all. Yeah. No, to all you got it. Sorry, I don't remember. I'd have to be. I'd have to have someone reading it to me, and then I could finish it. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, it says I heard him explain as he drove out of sight. Merry, or is it okay? So, uh, sorry. So happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night, or merry merry Christmas, Christmas to, all. to all, and to all a good night. It is happy Christmas to all, and to all. No, a good night. no, that never happened. Yeah, so even my mom was like, well, okay, well, well, isn't it's British, right? And I'm like, nope, it's written by American. And um, and it was first published in 1823 in the Troy Sent Sentinel. And it was um originally when it was posted, it was it was posted anonymous, and then this guy um he came forward and oh my god, it just his his name just completely slipped my mind. What, what, who wrote the original one? Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'll get it in a minute. So the other one that's really, really weird 
is that in the middle of it, it says um, when Santa is actually at their house, it says a bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. But I, one, don't remember the word peddler. Never. Peddler and, two, and or I remember the word sack in this poem. Yeah. The word sack is no longer in this poem. And the other thing is, so this is number four now, is in the original poem, it's Dunder and Blixum what, instead of Donner, Donner and, Blitzen. and Blitzen. Yes. And no one knows when or why Donner was changed to, or Dunder was changed to Donner. Did Michael and, Scott go back in time and change it from yes. Donner to Dunder as in Dunder Mifflin? Yeah, this is what, um, man, who, who, why can't I, like, I, I had the name right here of who wrote the original. Anyway, I won't get it to it in a minute. But um, so in 1949, that's when Johnny Marks wrote the song um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And that's when we first really actually hear the word Donner. But what's weird is that where did he get Donner from? And prior to that, it was actually Dunder, which actually means thunder. So this is all so freaking weird to me. And we have some clips showing different versions of this, of different people reading this. So, um, and Lindsay, our, she showed the original uh, article from the Troy Sentinel and, uh, and the... Uh, uh, in 1840s when it was posted and um yeah okay um clement clark, clark moore that's right clement clark moore and everyone thinks he's he's a european but no he's a, he's an american so it's so freaking weird <laughs> but here is uh okay so Lindsay, can you show this john mark malkovich skit so this is actually i we can't show the whole skit but you guys gotta watch this john malkovich reading twas the night before christmas on saturday night live it is actually really freaking funny i would highly recommend the children all. were nestled snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and mama in her kerchief and I and my cop had just settled down for a long winter's nap. So he now, says settle down there. That's what's so cool about this. Like he actually says settle down. But in the original or in now, when you hear most people reading it, including um, uh, Christmas Vacation, I always remember him reading settle down. Chevy Chase? Yeah, Chevy Chase is our brains. Not... Yeah. So here's so here's John. So this is again John Malkovich reading the very end of it now. You know, I, I'm getting the sense that not many of you are enjoying this. I mean, I'm <laughs> in this assumption. Okay. Well, well, kids, let's put it this way: you've rendered all this useless. Okay. It's so funny. <laughs> But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. So, Merry Christmas, children. Wow. Now, yeah, now there's an old cartoon 
that I used to, I actually used to watch this as a kid. We used to always watch this. And um, this cartoon says our brains and it says happy Christmas. And I don't remember hearing this either way when I was, when I was growing up. This, this is the. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Yeah, no. And it also says our brains and it says happy Christmas. And this is something that I used to watch a lot as a kid. And, and it's just so freaking weird to me. And um, the Our Muppets brains is super awkward in there, dude. I, I it does. It's so it's so weird. It's so weird. Every time I hear somebody say it, it it's kind of like putting your fingers on a chalkboard. Like it, it just doesn't settle. Right doesn't here. go with it. Yeah. It's like it's always been settled down. But the, but then it's like, where did people get settled down? Because it's not even in the original um, in, in the original um, story in, uh, or poem. So, yeah. So, I mean, in the reason why um, Clement didn't want his name to be associated with it at first was because he was a very uh, um, like people really saw him as this really high quality professor, you know, teaching at this university and everything else. And he didn't want to be associated with this like children's. He just found it kind of like lowbrow, you know, it's just like, yeah, whatever. He wrote it. He wrote it for a story, I think, for somebody for some kids or something and it was published but then when it just caught wildfire like everybody just loved this poem and so then he came out now there's some debate whether he actually like people are debating it but it's like no no one else ever came forward saying like no it was actually me that wrote it you know right the story makes sense so anyway and michael um buble he actually reads the twas the night before christmas and he says the same thing he says happy christmas and uh I think he says happy Christmas. Actually, Lindsay, can we play this one? I don't trust that guy. <laughs> Whistle. And away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight. Merry Christmas. Oh, he says Merry Christmas. Sorry. And you all. Yeah. Good night. But um, but I, I'm shocked by how many places now say happy Christmas. And I'm like, I've never, I, I just, you just never say, I, okay. In England, they do say happy Christmas, but that's like a cultural thing, but that's a cultural thing. And, and it doesn't make any sense why this guy, you know, wrote this and, and, in, in the Muppets, we don't really have to play the Muppets, but that was another one I grew up with. And, um, it says it. they say Merry Christmas. And he, even my brother and I were talking about it because it was one that we watched every year as a kid and we we're both like dude i i remember the two saying merry christmas and they do say merry christmas but um i i can't remember if they say our brains or uh oh shit what's this okay please. and sorry okay that's harry potter saying happy christmas sorry anyway <laughs> this one this is just it just it, it really is super weird to me and i didn't even know about the um like the the brains one is one i was looking into and then i started finding more and i i honestly think that there's lines there's other lines in this poem that that wasn't there in the original ones yeah this is um, super weird the donder and blixen thing is super weird it is there, and even Snopes couldn't 
didn't have any kind of explanation for why Donder was changed to um um or Dunder was changed to Donner. Like yeah, they're they're usually their explanation is uh humans suck, kill humans. <laughs> Every yeah, time. everyone's like, well, the first time it was mentioned was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it's like, well, he probably wrote that think from based on the reindeer's names from Twas the Night, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas. So, But Dunder, Dunder and Blixen, those two words specifically mean thunder and lightning. So that's why it makes sense, actually. It's Dunder and Blick, Blixen instead of um, Donner and Blitzen. Blitzen, yeah. So, yeah, I don't get anyway, it. Anyway, I guess the other way is German. That could be so. Well, All right. Hey, anyway, yeah, we we're gonna move on now to our metaphysical minute. You guys gotta check this out. Tucker Carlson has been opening up a lot recently, a lot more about what he actually thinks, and we've got a little clip here that we're gonna pull up for you guys to watch. It's interesting because you know, the stuff just comes out in its own time, you know. Let's Here we go. It's my personal belief based on a fair amount of evidence that they're not aliens. They've always been here. Um and I and I do think it's spiritual. That's wow. that's so, and, and again it's not provable but based on uh, on the evidence, I think. I'm with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if the U.S. government has, in fact, had contact, direct contact with these beings, whatever they are, I've already told you what I think they are, and has entered into some sort of agreement with them, which is which is the claim of of informed people, um, I would say, whether they're right or wrong, I can't say conclusively. But, 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 yeah. but, wait, wait, wait. If that is true, I mean, it's a very, very, very heavy thing. Yeah. Are you, a, a lot of people say interdimensional beings. Right. I, I want to ask, are, you, are you angels and demons, or how would you well, describe these these beings? You know, I... These are again, I'm getting into the realm of conjecture, so I just want to say that flat out entity. But one thing I know for a dead certain fact, having seen it, is that um, there is good and evil that we are being acted upon at all times, and I think every person can feel that in himself. I mean, there are moments when you are moved to do things that are much better than you actually are, and that are also more evil and destructive than you actually are. You are subject to forces from outside yourself. That is absolutely true. Now, we can argue about what they are, but every person in the room, if he's reflective, will tell you, yes, I know what you're talking about. And so there are forces that are not human, that do exist in a spiritual realm of some kind, that we cannot see, and that when you think about it, sort of make you think we live in an ant farm. Yeah. <laughs> being, right? And that's absolutely. just, that is real. Yeah. Okay. When I, and there's many. Mm. Man, that's so fascinating. It, it, it makes you. Like the fact that he's saying like, because more recently he's been saying some really interesting things. I know. Right. Right. So it makes me wonder that one, he's either come across very concrete documentation or some kind of like physical evidence to show him this or something else going on. Like maybe, I mean, I'm sure he has so many crazy contacts within the military and things like that. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've probably been sending him so much stuff over the years. And I think now it's like, 
Hey, well, I'm not in Fox News. I can just kind of talk about this. Look, stuff he's now. got he's had access to guys for the last however long he's been doing this, 25 years or something, who after the show have probably been like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. They let it they let loose after the show. And he's like, he's just been, you know, taking notes on this stuff for years. And now he's just opening up about it. That's the yeah, only that, thing that's, that's kind of the yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. I think he handled that question really wisely. He handles all these questions really well. I think he, he doesn't pretend to know something that he doesn't. And he's clear. He's very clear when he says things, where it's coming from, whether or not there's evidence and, and all of this. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean, the way he's, he's kind of coming off is like, look, I don't really know. I don't really know how to answer that. This is what I do know. That's all I'm saying is like, it, it's like maybe he saw some kind of evidence of alien bodies. Right. So it's like, I don't know. All I know is that, yeah, there's good and evil in this world. And well, and you know, Ben, one of the weirder things that John and I came across as we were doing our uh, series on uh, Mount Shasta is this group of people that had been over in this area. Uh, you can call them what you want. You can call them Lemurians. You can call them the um, I can't remember, the Wagas or something like that. Then the the Native Americans had this name for them. Um, there are articles that came out talking about how these beings, these tall human like uh, humanoid beings had uh, contact with our governments in that they were there was an exchange between the governments, almost like you can imagine elves and men having dealings or something like this. Right. They know of one another. They talk to one another. They stay out of one another's hair. But these things go on. Right. I mean, who's to say that is not happening right now? Who's to say these things are not going on? We just they're just hidden better and controlled a little bit better for different reasons. I mean, it's true. It really is. And 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 like, you know, we, we keep kind of bringing up the uh, the incident that happened with I forget. It's called a very specific name with um, President Eisenhower and right. the. Uh, you know, supposedly one of the alien races and they were like secretly making deals with other cultures and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think at this point, um, yeah, I, I don't, I think, I think the, the question, I wish the question that the media would be asking is not whether these things are real or not. Has there been a cover up? And if so, why, you know, and these aren't questions that the media, oh, they're would, fair questions to ask though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, before we move on to our next thing, uh, I just want to give a shout out here to number nine who said Merry Christmas Rise TV and gave us a hundred dollar donation. Thank you so much. Wow, that's really awesome. thank you very much. Number nine. That's pretty cool. So thank you. Thank you, number nine, whoever you are. Yeah. Good number. <laughs> it is. All right. Um, you know, one thing we kind of want to bring up too before we um jump into the Christmas tree mafia story, which is <laughs> so insane. Um, Shin Yoon, I don't know if you guys, you know, we, Rob and I kind of talk about it a lot because it's something that that we see um almost every year, but they are kicking off their tour. And if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend watching it. It is oh, just yeah, after everything that's going on in the world today. Uplift um, yourself with this. It's so uplifting and moving. Everyone I, I've I've had go see it. I've just been like, man, this has been, you know, thank you for recommending this. This has been awesome. So um, 
it's i know they're they're kicking off their tour it's already actually already started and i know it's in like there's some in texas florida um dallas uh and then uh, yeah it's in it's uh, incredible to see what human beings can do on a stage and they push it further than anyone i've seen push this it's it's amazing it's beautiful and it's all of this hidden cult this culture that has been that has been hidden and and they attempted to destroy it in china and it's all coming back through this show and it's just a beautiful thing to support so if you if you can go it bring your family um honestly you'll feel better after you go see it it's you really will yeah, yeah it's just so uplifting and very spiritual honestly yeah really. it, it doesn't matter what belief you have when you leave that you just feel uplifted yeah and actually okay um in december it's coming to also well i said some cities is coming to but it's also coming to japan italy united kingdom and uh, a few others too so i mean that's just in december so it will be traveling all over all over the world i think all through next april usually yeah so yeah good stuff all right um yeah it's just can't say enough about it just so moving and so inspirational so all right we're going to show another trailer and then when we get back we have our christmas tree mafia in new york city yes it's crazy you know the look you know the voice will you be able to help solve them we wonder you know the fear unexplained deaths lost persons Wonders and Miracles. In the history of Edge of Wonder, few programs have been so shocking, so imagination-defying, so captivating, as Unsolved Wonders. Perhaps you can help solve one of these wonders. Get ready for the holiday special you'll have to see to believe. Unsolved Wonders of Christmas, hosted by Ben Chastain Stack and Rob Couch Stack. Ah, go ahead, Ben. Oh, no, what were you going to say? Nothing. Probably the same thing you were going to say, which is that our holiday deal is on right now. And for just, what is it? Um, we have it, it's a 25% deal. And you get basically comes to about seven dollars a month. Um, you can you can uh, subscribe to Rise TV now and get access to our full catalog of uh, of stuff catalog. on yeah. Rise TV. About four hundred videos, over four hundred videos. Pretty <laughs> seriously, yeah. <laughs> so much. And um, yeah, Here's please um, please come hang out with us. Or come hang out with our community. You can support our show. Support a highly censored show. Um, you know we've got we gotten hit pretty hard. Yeah, uh, sure yeah we definitely have hit we got hit very hard but thank you guys you know honestly if it wasn't for you we we wouldn't be able to continue on with what we're doing so thank you for supporting us through all these years 2018 for sure crazy to think about also um on christmas eve we're gonna have a live watch party to watch those unsolved wonders of christmas on rise.tv we just kind of you know repeat of some pretty awesome content that was pretty fun what we did there dress up like robert stack from unsolved mysteries and break Sorry. it down one time you know break it down yeah seriously <clears throat> 
Oh, we got a new, and we got a new member in the chat. It says so. That's cool. Who's that? Va um, Van Isle girl. Nice. Yeah, and we also had another Isle girl. We also had a really big donation too from um, um, uh, uh, um hospice angel. Oh, so, hospice angel. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was earlier, uh, maybe before we started the show. Well, we must so, not have seen it. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we saw it. So, but hey, let's talk about how the mafia runs Christmas trees. How the mafia? This is the most one of the most insane things. Um, I think we've really came across in a while. In a sense of like, I mean, we've come across like weird, crazy conspiracy stuff, but this is just like taste the cake. It's like it really does. And actually, uh, what made me think about this the other day? I, I was I was like watching some something, and they were like selling Christmas trees. I think it was in a, in a some movie or something. And I was like, dude, there's something in New York that we uncovered. And then all of a sudden, it hit me when I, when we were working for the Epic Times, Rob and I. Um, one of the things that I went out and did was actually report on this story because people were getting threatened who had. Uh, shops in uh, New York City on the streets, like selling selling um, Christmas trees, and we we're like, wait a minute, you're getting threatened for selling Christmas trees? Like, what in the heck is going on? So this guy named uh, Owen Long, he ended up uh, he so his he wrote this massive article, and basically his story is that he worked for this guy named Greg Welsh. I'm sorry, Greg Walsh. And Greg Walsh, he seems to be, he was, he says, that's the guy that I was actually on the front. We just showed there in the Santa costume. Yeah. He, he likes to say he's like the original St. Nick. Um, you know, he, he said the guy is just a massive character to work for, but there's all this crazy stuff that happened between then and there. And so the, the, some of the main characters is another guy named George Nash who went from, selling trees like kind of here and there mostly it well, transporting trees back and forth to uh managing nearly two dozen locations and the weird thing is there's this guy named um uh this guy whose last name is hammer and this dude is the one where is this I'll first name mc his first name is not MC and I'm trying yeah. to remember what his first name was. Kevin, Kevin Hammer is his name. And he remained a mystery for a very long period of time. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just want to. And then on top of that, Mar so how Christmas trees be even became a thing. And this is something I didn't even know. It was in 1851 and this Dutchman named Mark Carr. He uh, and they said he probably didn't even celebrate Christmas, couldn't even care less about it. And he came from Germany where Christmas trees was a thing. Christmas trees was not a thing. In fact, Christmas wasn't even a thing at that time in the U.S. And he he, he made uh, for one dollar. He set up a shop on the streets of in the Washington Market in New York, in Manhattan specifically, and sold all of his trees in one day to people that didn't even celebrate or didn't even, they weren't even like buying trees at the time. So he like told these massive stories and then all of a sudden like Christmas trees became a thing. And this dude really is credited for the, for bringing the Christmas tree to life here in, in the United States, believe it or not. So 
how this all got started, I just want to read this because this is so interesting, so crazy. And this is part of this article that I was reading. Christmas trees are a big business in New York. A lot of people see the quaint plywood shacks that appear on sidewalks just before Thanksgiving, each with its own tiny forest of evergreens. And they imagine that everyone is independently owned, maybe by a jolly of families of lumberjacks looking to make a few holiday bucks. But in reality, a few eccentric, obsessed, sometimes ruthless tycoons control the sale of almost every single tree in the city, and they call them the tree men. <laughs> and they spend 11 months preparing for Christmas time, which to them is a blistering 30 day sprint to grab as much cash as they can. So, <laughs> so this, basically, this massive story of how kind of this clash between George Nash, Kevin Hammer, and literally the Gambinos <laughs> mafia family <laughs> are involved in this big, huge thing. And, and this dude, Kevin Hammer, believe it or not, he's a Scientologist. So, <laughs> so I don't know. There you go. But anyway, so this dude is really credited for... Um, for owning almost the entire market. So if you want to set up a shop in New York City, let's say, you know, you you have your, you know, you you have access to a local farm or you yourself are doing it or whatever. There's a so every year there's a bid for different areas in the city. And most of the time it's like we're kind of under agreement like hey, look, I don't care how much you put in or how much money you're bidding on this the spot is mine. You know, it's like territories. It's split up by territories. Yeah. And it's like it's like that way every year. And then sometimes you may actually bid higher than me, which would cause issues. And this and so like people. So this dude who wrote this article, people who worked for this hammer guy were even afraid to give their names and even say too much of their personal story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it says um, people who've sold Christmas trees for Hammer wanted to man, remain anonymous. There is no interview and there's no application. The only way to work in this network is to be referred by an insider. And Hammer was never uh, exacted. He, he never would like put revenge on people. If, if there was some kind of competition that happened, what he would do is set up shop right in front of their location and basically steal all their business and undercut everything. And um, this, so this is, this is one of the more insane. There's two really parts of this that are the most insane, but this, this, so the author Owen Long, he wrote about a story in which he, he, so he took a nap because they are working long hours, like 12 hour days sometimes in the cold, you know? So he took a nap and he woke up. And when he woke up, he said he saw a loaded handgun laying on a table with ornaments pointing at the sidewalk where mothers were pushing their strollers. <laughs> he covered up the gun with decorations. When the police arrived, an officer picked up the gun with two fingers and requested a box. He said, well, like how big? And the, and the police officer said, oh, a gun sized, like a gun sized box. He says the big names have all known one, one another for years or once worked for each other. Among them, there's a delicate balance. They're like a dysfunctional family harboring and overcoming grudges. 
in direct competition, but united by a shared purpose. So, um, weird. Yeah. And then he says the betrayal isn't revealed until at the end, until all the major players gather around a long table at parks department on fifth Avenue and simultaneously open sealed envelopes containing the auction results. <laughs> So it's like, it's what I was talking about. Like they all have put these bids for where they want to, want to grow up. And, and this Greg Walsh guy, um, he worked for this hammer. Everyone once upon a time worked for hammer and then he went his own way and it wasn't without consequence though, but he's talking about hammer here. And he says, he, he said he, he grew the tree. So this is what hammer would tell people when he's selling trees to people. He said he would. He grew the trees himself on the mountaintop, chopped them down with a hatchet and carried them home on a mule. And he said people loved it. And every single person, he used the same line. I hope this is the very best Christmas you've ever had. He said he said it really sincere. It was disgusting to witness. But what <laughs> we were really selling here, happiness, right? So in that sense, they got a good deal. <laughs> but Rob, I want you to read the murder that happened over selling Christmas trees. If you guys can believe this. Yeah, We're... sure. Let's see. So, okay. The murder Glenn Walker was an attorney turned peddler who lived with his wife and son who he called a rascal head <laughs> or just rascal head. Like just that was his, his nickname. <laughs> he sold watermelons, pumpkins, and Christmas trees. In 1992, two men in long leather coats strolled into his lot in Baychester and demanded $3,000 in cash. They called it protection money and Walker obediently paid up. The next year, however, he took matters into his own hand hiring three overnight security guards to patrol, patrol the seven-foot fence surrounding his lot. When the two men returned on Black Friday, Walker declined their protection. A week later, unseen attackers lobbed twin firebombs over Walker's defenses, igniting several hundred of his white pines and Douglas firs. Fire marshals interviewed Walker, as he surveyed the ashes, but he knew better than to name names. Stubbornly, he reinforced his fence and hired more guards, one armed. The next year, on November 2nd, 1994, two men burst into Walker's office while he and his secretary prepared for the season. Walker was chatting on the phone with his wife when the men entered. One man seized his secretary, holding her down. The other put a gun to Walker's left temple. At home in Tallahassee, Florida is ghetto, my friends. His wife heard shouts and screams, then her husband saying, this is it. A single gunshot followed. Delgado called out, Donna, call the police, before somebody hung up the phone. Delgado was his secretary. Mm. Nash took over Walker's lot after the shooting. What is what does that mean, Nash? Nash, he's he's one of the other people. Um, George, George Nash. Nash. Yeah, George so Nash. Ah, he's, got it. Yeah. He's another he's another player in this. He also worked for Hammer, and then he kind of went off and also started having his own own lots. Like basically, like you can't really have your own lot unless it, it seems like once upon a time you worked for this guy named Hammer, and you had some kind of agreement with him. Wow. And, um. George Nash 
end up paying like a bribe basically to be able to sell his own Christmas trees. I see. So Nash took over Walker's lot after the shooting. Seven weeks after Walker's death, a man named William Pinero approached him and asked for $10,000 on behalf of a soldier and John Gotti's crew. Nash paid. Yeah. So that that's he paid it. So he's able to now sell Christmas trees without having the Gambino crime family coming after him. So John Joseph Gotti Jr. was an American mafioso and boss of the Gambino crime family in New York City. Nash took over Walker's lot after the shooting. He told me that seven weeks after Walker's death, a man named William Pinero. Oh, we already read this, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1996, Delgado picked Pinero out of a lineup and he was charged with Walker's murder. Nash testified in court against him and provided key evidence. Amazingly, Pinero had written Nash a receipt for the extortion fee. He was sentenced <laughs> to 25 years to life. Wow. Why would you write an extortion fee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write a receipt for this. So get this. In 1999, the Daily, the New York, the Daily News in New York wrote about this guy, Kevin Hammer, and they compared him to the Bill Gates of Christmas trees. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh man and this guy so what happened was how this guy even started was this guy george nash he was delivering um christmas trees back and forth and uh, this guy um this hammer dude who was only like he was really young at the time he ba- he drove up to him in his car and basically was like i want to help you do this what do i need to do and from that moment on, he basically started taking over the, the tree market. And then, you know, he, he originally was working for this guy. And then he had everyone start working for him and then completely took over the business. So the sad thing is that people in New York City, this is such a major custom, you know, buying trees on the streets of New York City. I mean, it, they're everywhere. And it's a huge festive full of lights and everything else, you know, and it's just part of the holiday tradition where everyone buys their trees on the street, thinking that they're getting them from a mom and pop shop. And lo and behold, you're actually buying it from a mafia family. So, <laughs> and this dude, um, this, this hammer guy, he's actually suing home Depot of tree fraud. <laughs> So when did all of this go on in the nineties? This no, this is just happening. This happened last year. But this wait, is what, still going on. So this this mafia stuff is all happening around now. Yes, it's still going on to this day. Yeah, this article was just written. But when was Hammer at large in New York City doing stuff in the nineties? Uh he started in I think even in uh, he's been doing this for. Uh, 20 years he's been doing this and he's connected to the mafia. Something? Yeah. All of this is connected now. Yeah. It's insane. It really is. And he has a, get this. He has a, he has a company called evergreen East. And when you he look it up, like a, it's like, yeah, he looks like one of those New Yorkers that a headbutt you when you walk by him for sure. Yeah, he kind of does. That's I mean, it looks like he would be nice on the surface. Right. But it's like, who knows? But so this Evergreen East company is actually based out of Florida, believe it or not. And they said that he they think he spends most of his time on his yacht and then he'll just come to New York, you know, 
uh, in December and that's it and sell Christmas trees. So yeah, it's so, it's so, uh, it's so crazy. And, um, and so like the Epic times had this article in 2015 and they were really kind of breaking things down and the Christmas tree industry is worth 1.4 billion one. I'm sorry, a little over $1 billion. And that was in 2000. Put this into perspective. Dunkin Donuts is like a $3 billion company. Yeah. So Christmas, that's no joke, man. Yeah. $1 billion industry that all takes place in literally one month. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's such a simple way to funnel tons of cash into all of these like crazy mafia yeah and get this so can you the- imagine that but wait, wait wait you buy a christmas tree in new york and you're supporting the mafia <laughs> <laughs> that's hilariously oh. terrible that is so terrible. That is so terrible. Um, yeah. And, and the Epic Times really uncovered a lot in their reporting that wasn't in any other um, article that I could find. Like, for example, they, they uncovered that um, it's, it's all cash business. Most of these places don't accept credit cards. They want cash. And sales tax on... And so the Epic Times wrote, sales tax on Christmas trees is required, but it's questionable how much that actually happens well that's because they don't report any of the cash coming in it's so easy to not report just be like oh yeah it wasn't a good year for christmas trees and then really so this is also what the epic times uncovered too because it's all in cash they found that that people the the employees were being paid like sometimes 60 percent less than what they were originally told that they would be paid because they're like oh sorry business what there it is right there it's like business wasn't bad or was bad this year. So I can't give you the money that, that, that was promised, you know? And it's like, you can't even keep track of how much they made. Although you could see how many Christmas trees were sold, but then you're like, Oh, there's multiple locations, even though there's one, everyone thing sold here, maybe in their other location, it didn't sell. And you kind of get the idea that like maybe that's where, that's where it's going. There's, there's hardly any paperwork or permits needed to sell Christmas trees. And this could actually be from like the mafia threatening, you know, lawmakers and all kinds of things to, so it's harder to enforce tax laws on Christmas trees. So, and there's all kinds of dirty tactics used. It's really, it's really crazy. Like this mafia stuff needs to get like, think about it. The only way you could be an honest official is if you had, no family and no, no wish to live. Yeah. Like, do you no, know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's crazy. And, and like you may have, let's say you have like, you, you are truly like a mom and pops kind of place. And you have like your spot that you have every year that you put your bid in for or whatever, you know, and you get that spot and then I may come in and it's, in, it's always in front of a store store shop. Right. So I may go into that store shop and say, Hey, I don't know what's going on with, with your deal with, with you and, and him, but I'll give you, you know, $5,000 if you kick him out and have me re- replace him and I'll just give you $5,000 cash. So then that they, they just kick you out and all of a sudden I just took over your spot and there's nothing you can do about it. It's so bizarre. <laughs> How much of the money that you make actually just goes to them for even having this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then here, here's the kicker though. 
because they because they manage almost all of of the um you know of of these of the shops they can charge whatever they want for christmas trees yeah it's it's like a monopoly on it (laughs) so so they can say oh this year harvest was a little bit harder and you know we have to we have to jack up the prices of it you know or we're 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 we're, you know our competitor we're, we're fighting with over there and it's like the same company you know so it's like you have no idea what what is going on. Oh it's, yeah, COVID was really hot on us, so now the trees are double price. <laughs> no trees were 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 planted during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh so yeah, now- that was the other thing that they said. Like during COVID, you ah. know, all the tree there was like a shortage in trees. So, yeah, wow, you know, dude. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's pretty insane. And then, of course, when I saw like the Gambino crime family, I'm like, what the heck? And in New York City was the very first place that Christmas trees were um, were starting to like be sold in the U.S., at least on like a widespread, um, you know, where, where, where it's like then it kind of branched out from there where it's like, oh, yeah, everyone wants Christmas trees now. But. I can't believe that Christmas wasn't even a national holiday in the United States until the late, um, like sometime around like uh, 1870s, they made it a national holiday. And I just thought it was always kind of. Uh, Wait, wait, we got to get into this a little bit. So New York City Christmas tree supplier accuses Home Depot of tree fraud. This is a New York Post article. So Evergreen East, a Wisconsin based Christmas tree cooperative that bills itself as New York's finest Christmas tree sellers alleges Home Depot, Whole Foods Market and their supplier conspired last year to scam big apple tree buyers by labeling cheaper Canadian balsam furs as pricey Fraser furs, the Cadillac of conifers, according to court papers. The Manhattan federal court complaint alleges that during the 2019 Christmas season, the retailers sold potentially hundreds of thousands of balsam fir trees, which they intentionally mislabeled and falsely advertised as Fraser fir trees. The Frasers are sold on Manhattan sidewalks by Evergreen's mom and pop shop clients for upwards of 179 for a six footer footer and 699 for a 12 footer. I, I love Dude, I love man. how they said mom and pop shops. Yeah. Because everyone thinks that they're mom and pop shops, but they're yeah, but, not. But dude, I think Neither I bought a Christmas tree a couple of weeks ago for like 80 bucks. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. Like these are like, this is ridiculous. Like $699 for, for yeah, you're not in New York city. That's what, what? we're not anymore, but that's, I know. that's why that's why hammer said new New Yorkers want what they pay for. So home deep quote, home Depot is not canal street where you buy a fake Gucci bag. People go in there and see a tree from Canada and don't realize it's second or third rate. He said, Canadians, just kidding. You're paying for a Gucci bag and you're getting a Gucci bag. He said, this is such a like lame. I know. Well, <laughs> it, makes, it makes me wonder if they're, if they are like doing this practice or that they're, they're just, I mean, honestly, I think they're just angry that they're, that they're, they're taking sales away, right? Because they're probably selling them at a cheaper rate than what they're selling them for. So people are now going over there. And so, you know, who knows if this is even true, maybe they're just doing this just to cause issues and 
and j- just just try to point fingers at them and be like, hey, you know, let's uh, come over here. We have the better deals and we have the better trees. And it's just so weird. <laughs> Look at this. Scott Lechner, the owner of Soho Trees, said that some vendors engage in dirty tactics due to the intense competition between stands. Betrayals are common. Quote, they pay the store owner some money and all of a sudden you lose your spot and the clientele that you spent years building, Lechner said. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so weird. So weird. Anyway, I can't, I just can't believe that um, this is still going on. You know, you'd think that someone would do something, but, but that whole scene with that gun and the police officer where they're like, it was almost like they are just know what's going on. I don't know. Makes you wonder if they're kind of, this is wild, dude. <laughs> wild. All right. Well, it's nothing sacred, not even Christmas trees. I know. Well, although we, you know, we do kind of get into, a lot of the Christmas tree aspect and the, all the occult stuff and really kind of what, how the occult refers to the Christmas trees and our, um, what is it? Exposing ruin. We ruined Christmas. It was like, you know, the, the, the episode where we ruined Christmas for everybody, unfortunately. Well, and listen, if you're in New York city and you need a Christmas tree, just think that when you buy one, you are supporting the mafia. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not sure what kind of person you are anymore. that's so sad that's crazy man crazy so sad so yeah this is uh this is a great episode that we did ben and rob ruined christmas we did this a few years ago um (laughs) see it says please don't watch this video (laughs) Ah, our sense of humor here but yeah now we get into it uh what exactly is the symbolism behind christmas some general history on what happened also a couple of metaphysical episodes that came out recently all about Constantine and and um and Nimrod. Yeah, and if you watch all of those, you'll have a pretty good idea. And actually the Shroud of Turin you could watch too cuz all of those kind of kind of mash together into understanding a little bit more about Christmas and all of that stuff. You know, I was explaining all of the history around this stuff to my dad today. We were mm-hmm. on a trip to like Home Depot at one point. And I was just telling him about this and, and it was like, it was interesting. He was like picking up what I was laying down, you know? Well, anyway, you guys, we've got a, um, we've got to jump off now, uh, here, um, and go over to rise.tv where we're going to be doing a live Q and a, and then we're also going to be getting into, uh, the top 10 weirder news of the week. And yeah, again, so our miracles and mystery series here that, that Lindsay has pulled up, these are all of our work that we did around Christmas is really interesting stuff all revolved around Christmas, Christmas miracles, some really super bizarre real life Santa Claus stories that like, honestly, kind of freaked us out a little bit. Yeah, it was weird. Um, And just yeah, like good, good deeds and Christmas spirit stuff that I think will really lift you up a little bit. So if you're thinking about uh uh, joining rise.tv and subscribing now is the time to do it. We're closing in on uh, December 31st here when this deal ends. And so we'd love to have you over um, join our platform for a year and hang out with us. And it's going to pick up in 2024. We're going to have a lot of stuff out there and we'd love to have you on our platform. So uh, please get the deal and, uh, and come on now. Ben, did you have anything else to add to that before we go over? I think you're muted, dude. Oh, geez. Yeah, something happened there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you so much. And we have some great weirder news for you guys that will 
definitely make you laugh and oh yeah what do you got what do you got to tease us with tonight ben um well we got a um the s the usda issues a permit for santa and his reindeer to enter the u.s (laughs) (laughs) how really rich were the uh mick callisters from home alone you know their family oh so now instead of like ken thanos's gauntlet snap they're doing stuff on the mccallisters yeah nice and the big one how sniffing woman's tears make you less aggressive Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> and um, how a four-month your a four-month-old baby survived a tornado. Wow! Yeah, dude, some cool stuff we got. All right, well, you guys come on over, uh, watch Weirder News with us, and uh, join our live Q and A. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas wherever you're watching. Uh, do some good. Um, but between now and, and the first of the year, um, do some selfless stuff, feel good about yourself and, uh, and get ready for a wonderful new year. Yep. Oh yeah. This is, well, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing it next week before. Right. So yeah, we'll see you guys. Um, we'll see you on Tuesday. Yeah. See you over there. The TV is biased and chaotic. The movies are cliche and boring. The Matrix is taking over. Where can I find some good entertainment for goodness sake? Well, look no further. Get our streaming platform, Rise.tv, for 25% off. Hundreds of videos, positivity, humor, and deep dives into mysteries and metaphysical topics. What more could I ask for? Want to hear the truth about Bigfoot, near-death experiences, the evils of communism, ancient civilizations, and supernatural things? Rise.tv has you covered. I used to be sad, lonely, and depressed. Not anymore. You'll love interacting with awesome people on Rise.tv. There's so much to watch. Ben and Rob are great. Those guys always make me forget the world is falling apart. Subscribe to Rise.TV yourself or give your loved ones the gift of true, uncensored information. For the holidays, the yearly subscription is more than 25% off. That's just $7 a month. I want Rise.TV for Christmas. Scrooge has nothing on one Santa who uses his final act to help his Tiny Tim. A man catches a glimpse of something greater than himself when he stares in the eyes of a stranger in Grand Central Station. A balloon letter to Santa returns with a miracle attached. A historical truce, the power of righteous thoughts and miraculous escapes from mortal peril leave everyone amazed. Sometimes we have the opportunity to do good things for others, to spread good will toward men and treat every day like it's Christmas. At times like these, I like to think that Santa really does exist. And after our research into inspiring real life Santa stories and sightings, we think you're gonna believe too when you hear what we found. Join 
Edge of Wonder for Santa Claus stories, good deeds, and Christmas spirit. All right. Welcome back. Welcome over to Rise.tv. Yeah. Hey, guys. 